o'clock on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Carolina Hurricanes General Manager Don Waddell is going to join us in just a moment here to kick off hour two. Hour two of this program is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, Primetime Craft Beer is full flavor without compromise. You can get some at a liquor store near you or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what. Okay, the Canucks are in Carolina tonight to take on the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes are playing some pretty good hockey as of late. They vaulted all the way up the standings, second in their division, fourth in the East. Their general manager joins us now, Don Waddell, here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Don. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate you taking the time. So, uh, as I mentioned there, your Carolina Hurricanes are doing pretty well over the last month, month and a half. And you could make a case that it all started back on December 9th when the team came into Vancouver, lost 4-3. It dropped them to 14-12-1 on the year. The guys have a players-only meeting. Since then... The Canes are 14-3-2, a very good record, and have shot right back up the standings. What happened since that game in Vancouver that's led to this pretty impressive turnaround? Well, I think the big thing was, you know, we've been pretty successful if we play as a team. You know, we play a high-pressure skating type game, and we just got away from it. We became a little more individualist and trying to outscore teams, and you know, from that point on, you know, after not only a team meeting with the players and obviously the coaches later on, you know, we want to get back to how we used to play. And that's, uh, you know, if we're going to, we're going to score goals. We've got some guys that uh, always going to put up numbers, but more importantly, we got to play better in our own zone. And so I think since that point, as you mentioned, our record's been pretty good. It's been, been more on the defensive side of things of, uh, of playing better defensively hockey and uh it's you know rewarded us to get back to how we are used to playing is it hard sometimes to stay committed to the system especially maybe at the beginning of the season i mean we're seeing the results here in vancouver of you know having a system that everyone is buying into and frankly if there was one team that i associated with being really disciplined with their system it was your team yeah, you know, and not that we made a lot of changes, but we made some changes. And, you know, it always takes new guys. It's, it's a total different system than most guys are used to playing. So it takes a while to adjust to it. But, you know, just not the guys we brought in. It was, you know, it was a team effort and uh, not in the right direction. So I, I think, you know, the style that, uh, you know, I watch you guys play or Vancouver play and, you know, it's, it's fun to watch and, Certainly, I think we come into that same kind of uh, game plan that, you know, we're, we're going to try to create a lot of things uh, with our skating and uh, board check and, and pressure the other team. And I, as I watch Vancouver, it's how they're playing. And, I, I, you know, they're getting rewarded. Obviously, the best record in the NHL right now. And it'll be a huge test for us tonight. 
We're speaking to Don Waddell, uh, Carolina Hurricanes general manager here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, I think in both instances here, Don, yours and Vancouver's coaching plays a big role in it, obviously. Uh, you've had Rod Brindamore uh, behind the bench in Carolina for a long time. I was trying to come up with different ways to phrase this question, so I'll just ask it this way. Do you think that your coach, Rod Brindamore, is the best coach in the NHL right now? Oh, I, I think he's got to be right amongst uh, any of the type, top guys you talk about. You know, he's, you know, with Rod, he, you know, being a former player, former captain, um, you know, culture's, you know, we talk, everybody talks about culture, but, you know, I think it, it's an overused word at time, but he's, in his mind, he's created the mindset uh, that he had as a player. And, you know, the players respect uh, him for that because, yeah, you know, he's done it all as a player, won a cup and everything else. So um, I, I truly believe that he would have to be in the top uh, group of uh, the top coaches in the league. How do you guys get over the hump? Because you've been a really good team for a number of years, um, made it to the conference finals, didn't go so well against the Panthers last year. Um, so how... How do you do it, and what have the discussions been about why you've been a really good team, but maybe not a great team, or at least not a championship team yet? Yeah, uh, you can you know, probably you know blame a few things. Uh, obviously, you know, last year's series, we lose four straight to Florida. They scored 10 goals. We scored six, and we lose four straight. You know, Every game was one goal game, except the empty net goal, the one game. And, uh, you know, it's the mindset, I, you know, I, and I know, you know, our players now, we're still on the younger side of the team. You take away a couple of our older guys at Burns and Stahl. You know, our best players are still in that, you know, 22 to 26-year-old range of uh, Shevchenkov, Nikash, Aho, Jarvis, you know, and, you know, we've had enough experience. We can't use that, uh, the experience factor anymore. You know, and, you know, you get in the playoffs, you get deep, you know, couple things have to happen you have to be lucky for sure you know last year uh, that's a reason we lost but we lost Shvestikov and have him in the playoffs and you know it's 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 just such a fine line of getting over that uh, that hurdle you know goaltending has always been a little bit uh, suspect at time last year in the playoffs it was pretty good for us uh, we're hoping that we've solved that and uh, that's not going to be an obstacle this year so you, you know you're, you, when you go into the summertime and you add a few pieces you're always hoping those few pieces are going to make a difference. You know, regular season, they're going to contribute. But when you get to the playoffs, a guy like Orlov, who's had great experience playing last year with Boston, that, you know, to be able to put more veteran players that have gone through this battle, I think can only help you. But it's it's a fine line. It really is. You know, every team, 32 teams start off the league. I never hear anybody saying they don't want to make the playoffs. You know, when you get in the playoffs, it's, you know, we watched Florida last year going as the A seed and get go to the finals. It's teams are so close. You know, anything can happen once you start playing playoff hockey, and that's the one thing the National Hockey League has going for maybe some, over some other sports is it, you just have to get in. You, you, anybody gets in can win, and we've seen that over time. 
Um, you mentioned luck, and for the record, I, I fully agree with you. You do need luck. You do need bounces to go your way. You do need to stay healthy in order to win a title. And I think oftentimes you look back on a team's run to a Stanley Cup and you're like, man, if they had, you know, if, if that one moment hadn't gone their way, they'd have been eliminated. They're, they're, it gets really close. But people don't like to hear that you need luck. Um, to win in hockey because I don't know for some reason they think like you shouldn't need to be lucky ever you should you should have a plan to put together a team that doesn't need luck. How do you guys discuss that topic of luck within your organization? Well, you know, if, if you don't think there's some luck involved, you know, it's just the bounce off the guy's shin pad that goes in your net. That's a lucky goal, you know. There, there's definitely, we believe there's some luck in uh, winning. doesn't mean it's going to change your game plan and how you're going to prepare for your opponent. Uh, but, you know, we've obviously, it's something that we have talked about. You know, if, if we would have got that bounce versus another team getting the bounce, you know, maybe things would have been different. We, we had a triple overtimer game here against Florida, and, you know, we hit two goal posts in, the, in the, that game. And, mm-hmm. you know, you win that first game, you know, you feel like it could be a little different. But, you know, looking back, we can't change the past. We can only talk about the future. And, uh, you know, everybody's very upbeat here and positive about what we have going on. So that's what we have to run with. Tell us about uh, getting Sebastian Ajo extended. Um, I mean, the, 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 the previous contract was very interesting with the matching uh, of an offer sheet. But uh, this one seemed to go a little more smoothly. What were those conversations like with Sebastian in order to get that contract done before anyone in Carolina started to get real worried about it? Yeah, it was uh, for the amount of money that we spent. It was probably one of the easier negotiations because we had met with uh, Sebastian and his representation uh, and Jerry Johansson, and you know, we told him as we fully uh, feel that he's the key to our franchise today and moving forward. And you know, we want to be able to continue to put good players around him. Uh, and so we were hoping that he would work with us uh, to come up with that number that worked for him and worked for us. And, you know, they came back and were right in the ballpark of what we were willing to pay. So, uh, you know, you negotiate a lot of contracts, and I've done a lot of them over the years, and this is one of the higher price ones I've done and probably took less time than uh, some of the uh, uh, guys that are only making a million and a million and a half dollars. So, you know, Sebastian wanted to be here. He wants to be around. He wants to have a chance to win a Stanley Cup, and he knows to do that. You know, he had to do his part, in which I think he uh, was very fair with us. Uh, so I was I was going back and looking at the you know remarks and quotes at the time of the contract being signed, biggest contract in, in the Hurricanes franchise history, and you said, quote, to get this done and not have to sit on it all year, and then not having to try and figure out something for the following year, it was critical for us to get this done. Why was it so important for the Canes organization to not sit on it for an entire year? I think, you know, we've, we've all seen how some things play out, some guys, you know, if, if let's say we had a not a good year this year and we missed the playoffs, then, you know, the player might be thinking, you know, I want to go someplace where I have a chance to win. Um, so we just thought, you know, being, like I said, the key to our uh, franchise uh, and our best player, that it was important for us to show the team 
to first show Sebastian, show the team, and show the community who's been unbelievably supportive of uh, our team the last uh, four or five years that, you know, we're in this thing to for the long haul. We're in this thing to try to win a Stanley Cup. Um, in your experience, are there some players that go for all the money they can possibly get and others that just want to be happy in their situation? And I'm not saying Sebastian Ajo left millions and millions of dollars on the table, but, you know, were, was there thinking on your side that he might have driven an even harder bargain? Well, certainly I think he could have. I mean, you know, it would have been probably a longer negotiation that would have went into the summertime and who who knows into the year, which we, nobody wanted to do. But, you know, I think we've seen it over the years that, Players that have played for the same team uh, for a long time, uh, usually if they're in a good spot, uh, find a way to stay. And then you have other players that have moved around uh, multiple times that, you know, maybe the extra few hundred thousand dollars in another city is uh, more important than being the stability of staying with the same team. Um, you got some interesting decisions coming up, I guess, this off season with um – some pending unrestricted free agents, uh, Tavo Teravainen, Brett Pesci, Brady Shea. These guys are all really good players, um, but they're also approaching 30 years old. How do you approach those situations? Yeah, we've had discussions with all of them. You know, we are always uh, willing to uh, look to sign all the guys you mentioned and a few more. And but there's thing called the salary cap too <laughs> and uh uh you know we're fortunate to have an owner that would spend if the cap was 100 million he would spend it um so you have to make sure you you, you know you make the right decisions and not you know we want to continue going the direction we're going but you know you start signing too many guys to long-term deals at those ages you know, at some point it's going to catch up with you. And, you know, we're trying to avoid those kind of mistakes uh, as we do these new contracts. But I'm pretty confident that we'll get some of the guys, they probably all won't fit in to the system. But, uh, you know, trying to keep the main core of our guys, especially on defense, because that's been the strength of our hockey club, trying to keep them uh, intact and uh, is something that is a priority for us. Uh, you mentioned your owner. You've been in Carolina for a while now. What's it been like working under Tom Dundon? It's great. Uh, Tom's very uh, uh, energetic about the team, uh, wants to win, uh, always looking for ways that we think we can improve our team. Uh, you know, he uh, is committed to this franchise. You know, we just extended our lease uh, out through year 40, uh, 2045, which people didn't think would ever happen here. Um, he's doing a lot of development on the property, so he's totally invested in the the Raleigh market. Uh, Tom's just, he's, he's a very successful business person that, uh, you know, comes at it sometimes from a different angle, but, you know, sometimes we need that as, you know, I mean, it's been my business for 40 some years doing this, you know, there's always different ways to look at things and different approaches. And, you know, Tom's good about bringing ideas and at the end of the day, uh, you know, letting the hockey people make their decisions. But, uh, He's, I can't say enough good things because he doesn't live here. takes a little criticism for not living in, in but he's got a family of five in Dallas. And uh, he, you know, But as I said, from a financial standpoint, I think he saved his franchise and he's continued to uh, 
invest not just in the team but the surrounding areas. Have you had to learn anything about the real estate uh, development industry? Safe. Oh yeah, it's, uh, you know, as the president of the team, I have all that on my plate. They, uh, we're putting three hundred million dollars in our building. We're going through the renovation plans right now, and then we also have the right to uh, develop the eighty-six acres on the property that the arena sits on. So, oh yeah, day to day, those are things that I ta- tackle and uh, learn. The one thing I never have t- learned about or knew about and learned about is bonds. How, how this stuff all gets funded. So. There's always something new at uh, my age that you can learn. Do you enjoy that, though? I mean, you know, your expertise is hockey, but now you get into learning about, I don't know, what, municipal bonds or something like that? Yeah, exactly. You know, I came here, you know, 10 years ago now. I I came in just as the president uh, before Tom had bought the team and, you know, uh, pretty much uh, dove into the business side of things. You know, I did that the last three or four years in Atlanta with the Hawks and the the Thrashers. So uh, I enjoy it. Uh, It's uh, it's something that uh, I can see uh, how how it's going to make this area and the, the future of hurricanes in Raleigh very successful. You know, but we are, you know, day to day, we're hockey people that, uh, you know, day doesn't go by how, I don't think how we can make our team better. You know, you talk to the other managers around the league uh, on a regular basis to see what's out there. There's, you know, a deal that potentially could help you make your team better. Then, you know, that's very important to our success. Um Getting back to the decisions on some of these pending unrestricted free agents, how do you balance treating your team as you know a, a tight tightly knit unit and you know you often hear when teams win a stanley cup they'll say things like we're a family here and that's you know we're such a tight group and and that's why that's why we were able to win but also being i guess ruthless in some of your decisions and having walk away numbers and saying listen like here's the reality of the situation um we might be a family, but some of you family members might have to leave it after this season. Yeah, and we've had that cases over the years. And you're not going to be able to keep all the players. It's just, it's, you know, players are going to be leave for various reasons. You know, more money, more ice time. You know, bigger role. Uh, so so there's, there's you try to uh, balance it as well. We just. You know, if Rod Rod had his choice every year, he'd just like to bring back the same guys uh, just so he can continue to to build off of them. Um, And we all know that that's not going to be practical uh, because of the cap. But uh, certainly, you know, the the family atmosphere and how how important that is for the players uh, is critical, but it can't drive a financial decision to sign a bad contract because, uh, you know, you want to keep, player X here and let player Y go. So, you know, it's a balancing act that we uh, we do on a daily basis. How much do things besides money and term and, I guess, no trade clauses, the things that we talk about a lot in the media and the fans talk a lot about in the media come up in negotiations? Like, how much, like, let's say there's a player that's not satisfied with his role on the power play he wants more power play time does stuff like that come up and how do you tackle that because you know in a lot of ways you have to defer to the coach and you can't sit there and make promises that you might not necessarily keep but i imagine things like that do come up in negotiations oh they do and you know it's as you said we're a team that doesn't we've lost some free agents because we won't sell them on an opportunity that we know might not be there for them. Uh, 
Um, you know, we're a pretty honest group as far as telling them, and that's the way Rod and I approach things that, you know, you have to, you know, it doesn't matter who we're signing, you have to earn it. And if you earn it, you're going to get that opportunity. You're not going to be given it without earning it. So um, it, it is a fine line, you know, always, obviously, during the year, I get those calls from agents and stuff. And, you know, I, I always defer back. I say my coach is paid to win hockey games. My coach is doing his, what he thinks of his mind, the right things that, win hockey games, you know, your first conversation and your second conversation should be with the coach, not with the GM. You know, it doesn't do me any good to go down and, and force feed uh, our coaches uh, because an agent's calling me. I always make sure that the player has those interactions with the coaches. And, you know, sometimes they're, if I feel like there's miscommunication or something, I can step in and uh, try to, uh, you know, remedy, remedy the uh, situation. But, you know, the, the, I always say the coach is trying to win the games. I don't know any coach that's not trying to win games. And in his mind, if he thinks one player is better in the power play than the other guy, then, you know, I'm going to support him. Uh, Don, I got two more for you real quick before we let you go. Just about the current state of the team as we look ahead to tonight's game. One, uh, Freddie Anderson, what's the outlook for him as he tries to return from a blood clotting issue? Yeah, he's been cleared. He's back on the ice. Uh, we think it's going to be... Uh, you know, take some time. You know, he's been off for over three months, but uh, every everything right now is pointing very positive that he will uh, return to us this year. And uh, you know, he I talk to him every day, almost I see him every day down here, and he uh, he's eager to get back going. Um, you know, when you go through something like that, it's not an injury to blood clots in your lung. You know, you, you're worried about your life, not just playing hockey. And I think we're past that now uh, because he's been able to get all the medical medical clearances and you know why it happened nobody really can uh, understand that uh, nobody thinks it's uh, something that's going to happen again um, so I, I think it's important for him psychologically to get in a good space and I believe he's in there now and you know start now focusing back and being on the ice with his teammates but getting back uh, to games conditioning where he can play games this year. Uh, the other one I wanted to ask you was about Seth Jarvis. It feels like every time I turn on TV now, he's either being interviewed because he's got this great personality or he's racking up points. He's like your second leading scorer. Uh, he's only 22. I know he was a first-round pick, but I didn't, I'm going to be a dead honest. I didn't know a ton about him prior to him sort of having this breakout season. What can you tell me and our listeners a little bit more about Seth Jarvis? Well, he's, he might be 22 of age, but he's probably 18. Uh, the best stories I have is, he spends a lot of time with Brent Burns, and you know, there's 18 years. And you would say, why does uh, Jarvis go to Burns' house uh, so often? And it's because he can play uh, uh, video games with Brent's uh, <laughs> kids. You know, so uh, what is Jarvis is over there? He's playing with the uh, 12 and 11 year old kids, not the 40 year old uh, right. teammate that he has. So it's, it's, it's a pretty good story because they have become developed this relationship that you would never expect. But now, when you explain it that way, people understand better. I feel like going over to Brent Burns' would, house would just be like an adventure. Like all of a sudden, some reptile would crawl out, and you'd be like, "What the hell is going on here?" Have you been over to? Does, uh, does, 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 he has a ranch somewhere, doesn't he? He's got a ranch down in Colorado. I think it's 600 acres with all kinds of uh, reptiles and everything else. You know, he's a true outdoor guy. Uh, boy, one of the best guys you can ever be around. He walks in that. He's he's a guy when he walks in the locker room, he's always got a smile on his face and. Um, he's very, very positive. 
but loved by his teammates. Uh, you know, he had Thanksgiving dinner the one year at his house, and he cooked thirty some wild birds and all this different stuff for uh, the, all this wild game for the players and their families. So he's he's one of a kind. He broke that mold when uh, he he, uh, he was developed. Uh, Don, this was fantastic. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this tonight. Uh, best of luck with the remainder of the regular season, the playoffs. Just maybe not so much luck tonight. Yeah, you got it, guys. Always a pleasure being with you, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Sounds good. Thank Thanks, you. Don. That's Don Waddell, president and general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. He, he's our regular GM that we talk to. I loved it. Yeah. It's, you know, we it's, had a great conversation with him last year as well. Yeah. Like, they're, they are very good about uh, media requests. Not that anyone cares about, oh, which uh, NHL franchise is best about doing their media relations. Mm-hmm. Like, it's more navel-gazing for us. Yeah, they're you know, more like, we don't types. get many requests in our city. So. Yeah, which is great. I mean, <laughs> and, you know, he's, his is interesting because he's worked in hockey, like he said, 40 years. Yeah. And it's funny because the the franchises that he worked in include the now defunct Atlanta Thrashers, mm-hmm. right? And now he's worked in Carolina. Not exactly hotbeds of hockey, right? And there's yeah. sort of these markets that you always ask the same questions. But he's been in Carolina for a decade now, right? That was pretty interesting about Sebastian Ajo when he was just like, yeah, he could have driven a Harden bargain. They got him it's in like for he under, should have. Yeah, they, well, they, they were willing in, to give him way more money. They got him in for under ten million annually, which looks mm-hmm. like a steal right now. Yeah, and uh, if you go back and look at the chronology of it, like they wasted no time getting him under contract, and they made no bones about what their objective was. They're like, we have a lot of good players in Carolina, but he is our number one priority. Mm-hmm. Like they said that full out. And, I mean, you look at their roster, and there's a lot of other really talented players there, yeah. but they knew that this was their number one priority. So it does speak to, I think, when you talk about Tom Dundon as an owner and having that sort of um, outsider's perspective, he, you know, I, I saw some, when I was doing the research for the interview, I saw some, they were saying it's kind of, the analogy was the NBA model, where it's like you pay your superstars and you make them the number one priority. You don't worry about filling in the margins so much under the cap because superstars are the hardest players to come by in this league. And when you get one, you move heaven and earth to keep them, make them happy, and get them to stick around long term. But then you need to make some tough decisions, right? Like I, I would imagine that Teravinen, just based on the way that conversation went, when I ta- I brought up the three big name pending unrestricted free agent and I'm using like big name in air yeah. quotes but it you know Tara Vinen, uh Brady Shea and uh who's the other defense oh Brett Pesci yep um he said you know like especially the defenseman like we'll, we'll hopefully get get those guys signed and when you're a team like the Carolina Hurricanes that plays such a solid defensive system like yeah you need forwards to buy into that as well but Especially a guy like Brett Pesci mm-hmm. and Brady Shea, I think, is an underrated player. Like I, I, those will be interesting negotiations because if I'm Brett Pesci and Brady Shea, I'm looking for pretty big money. Yeah, but I mean, if I'm Tara Vinen, I'm looking for big money too. So how do you go about those discussions, especially when these guys are age twenty nine and they're like, you know what? Like you may not want to give us term. Because that's how you operate. You operate with um, discipline when it comes to the age curve. And a lot of that, I imagine, is driven by the analytics group that has a lot of influence in Carolina with Eric Tulski there. They, yeah. they say, look at this age curve and how players age. Um, I don't want to get into the JT Miller contract discussion, but you know that, that was what we talked about a lot. Um, 
it's hard to walk away from players. Like it, it really is. Look at New Jersey. New Jersey walked away from a couple of players in contract talks and they've paid for it because then they miss those defensemen. So it's a very tough situation. I'll be curious to see how it plays out in Carolina this off season. Um, we've got an open segment on the other side, so feel free to text anything you want. Well, except, you know, terrible stuff. You could do that if you want. Well, if you want, you just get blocked. Into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. We can preview tonight's return to action for the Vancouver Canucks. What are expectations for Elias Lindholm? How patient are people going to be with him as he gets used to a new system, new teammates? He might bounce around in the lineup a little bit. He might be playing wing, center, who knows? how he's going to fit into the Canucks, but everyone will be watching. So feel free to text in any comments or questions into the Dunbar Lumber text line. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Alfred Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Good tune, laddie. I'm liking it. Alfred and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer. Today we are in hour two of the program. Hour two is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, Primetime is full flavor without compromise. Get some at a liquor store near you or visit the brewery to see how it's made. Okay, I have a question for everyone, including the listeners. Okay. Um, how patient should we be with Elias Lindholm as we wait for him to get acclimated to the Vancouver Canucks? Patrick Snyder bust. One period. Yeah, if he doesn't score three goals tonight, <laughs> they should trade You him. only get one chance to make a good first impression. That's true. So, no pressure, Elias. Yeah. Um, I mean... You know, he's he's going into a pretty good situation, at least to produce offensively. He's going to play shotgun, like riding shotgun next to Petey. I could think of worse situations yeah. to be in there. He's going to get... Is, I didn't see the formation on the power play. Is he bumper on the power play? I don't I don't know what he's doing. I didn't even know the formation. Uh, I, think he's I apologize for not knowing him. I think moment. he's net front, but, yeah, I'm, not, but I'm not exactly but sure. But he's on PP1, which, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's so that's with Hughes, the thing with Pedersen, the, Besser, Miller. The thing with the, the Canucks power play now is that they don't have as strict a role because there's so much movement out there. That's true. Like they want them to move around, so they're they're not like this is my spot. Get out of my spot, Brock. Right. So point being, I guess maybe um, separate from the spot that he plays, he's yeah, out yeah. there with those guys. So no, my my whole point is that I'm going to be patient with him, right? Like I, I I think yeah, someone texted in in all caps. He hasn't even played yet. Yeah, yeah, we know, but. He's also considered the best player that's been traded. That's why we're giving him a period to prove himself. Yeah, exactly. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. You get to you play know, about get you, No get more, seven. though. That's get it. warm yeah. out there. Get yeah. used to everyone. Um, I think with a player like Lindholm, it, it might take him a while to learn everyone's game. Um, and then for the coaching staff is going to have to um, tell him about how the Canucks play and what's important for them. 
Um, no different than any other player coming to a new team. It is different when you come to a new team midseason because everyone else, for the most part, knows and plays the system. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, they get traded out of there. Um, the one thing about Lindholm that you hear a lot about is he's just a really smart player. And he probably already does a lot of the things that the coaching staff has wanted out of the team and the individuals on the team. So in that way, he should be able to ramp up pretty quickly. This is a veteran guy that's been in the league for a long time now. Mm -hmm. Also, he really excels with a good playmaker. Of all the myriad scouting reports on Twitter after it got Mm -hmm. traded, every single one, the the constant in all the scouting reports is like, get him with a guy that can get him the puck, he will do very well. Well, yeah, Drance made note of that in his article, talking about if you go back and look at his time in Carolina, Lindholm played the wing quite a bit. And when he got to Calgary, he actually started Mm -hmm. as a winger before he moved to the middle. Uh, I guess it just shows his versatility. Uh, by the way, Taj, the blueberry guy, good point here. I forgot about this. Uh, Lindholm tonight is also playing in a city where he's hated. Yeah, so I forgot about this, but it actually didn't end well for him in Carolina. Was that a contract negotiation that went sideways? He sort of told them that I'm not going to re-sign here. Right. I'm going to try somewhere else. So Waddell jumped ahead of it and traded him to Calgary. Mm-hmm. And then in his first game back in Carolina as a member of the Calgary Flames, he actually did a mock Storm surge celebration. Oh, that's right, right, right. He, he made doing, fun of it. Yeah, yeah he was yeah, doing yeah. the clap over his head, kind of like mocking the fans there. So I don't know how long of a memory Carolina Hurricanes fans have because that was a while ago. But uh, that's another little interesting wrinkle tonight as well. Uh, sloppy Nachos texts in. I'll be patient. Honestly, I'm not as interested in his offensive game. I'm more interested in his defensive game. The Canucks have proved they can score a lot. The PK is what intrigues me the most. Um, I think all of his game intrigues me. Like, I don't know if there's one area. I really hope that he can be helpful on the PK. Even though the PK, I think, has shown signs of improvement, and it has changed. The personnel has shifted around a little bit. Some guys like JT Miller are less part of it. Um, And I think that's great for JT Miller to be able to get some rest um, so they can use him at evens and on the power play more. And... Frankly, I just don't think the PK was really his bag. Like, yeah, the numbers did not display that he was particularly good at it. I know they like to use him for face-off reasons, Mm -hmm. but now they've got a guy in Lindholm that they can throw out there for face-offs and be pretty confident about him. So I think there's so many things that tick the box with Lindholm. Um, You know, they needed someone, they needed an upgrade for Pedersen. Right, unless they wanted to put the lotto line back together, and even if they do want the lotto line back together, they would need a legit two C. So boxes checked there. Um, I think they were looking for a better fit for the final piece of the power play. Yeah, Um, Kuzmenko. It was funny. You watch that power play sometimes. Like it was four guys and Kuzmenko. Yeah, like Kuzmenko was out there. Can can I can I? Can I be part of this too? And they're like, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll keep it here. Like, just I'm not to, saying they never passed it to him, but they weren't looking for him out there, it almost, right? It's almost like there was a, 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 a inappropriate stylistic fit. God, I sound like Durant's. Um, it was just like he, the way that he played, like he was almost water bugging at times, like just sort of he was moving all over the place. And yeah. it was like, you're right. It was like four guys that were moving in a unit. And then there was one guy who clearly had talent and skill. Yeah. Over here, guys. Over yeah. here, guys. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I can do stuff. Yeah. It's like, oh. no, we got something going over here. Yeah, so but we're doing I think other stuff. I think they were looking for for a better fit there. Um, 
And I do think it's important, his offensive numbers. Like, this is a guy that has put up offensive numbers. I don't think anyone should think of this guy as another Manny Malhotra who's like just a defensive specialist. Um, When people throw around the word 200-foot player, they mostly mean he's good in his own end. But it also means that you have to be good offensively or you'd be a 100-foot player and the 100 feet are in my own end, right? Like, this is a guy, when he played with Kachuk and Goudreau, he put up big numbers. Did he score almost 40 goals or did did, he score 40 goals? He scored 40 and was a Selkie finalist. That's the perfect 200-foot player right there. Be due to both ends of the ice, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I'll say this. um, We're kind of joking about how long are we going to give him because it's really just the first half of the first period. It's not even the first period. But um, I do like the timing, not just because it gives the Canucks an extended runway and window to integrate Lindholm into the lineup. In the immediacy, like I'll go back to what I said off the top of the show. This 10-game stretch coming up might be, I think it is, but it, you know, agree to disagree. I think it might be the most difficult stretch of the season yeah. for the Canucks because they are playing eight of their next 10 on the road, and you look at the teams that they're going to be playing. The first two games out of the All-Star break, Boston and Carolina, not in that order. It's Carolina-Boston, but those are two of the top four teams in the East. If you look at some of the other teams that they're going to play in this 10-game stretch, you got Colorado, you got Winnipeg. I This, you know, uh, two-game set, the back-to-backs on Saturday and Sunday, that's no easy piece of business. Mm-hmm. Like, you look at that Detroit team, and that's a team that's holding the second and final wildcard spot in a very competitive Eastern Conference right now. Washington is not nearly as good as they used to be. And by the way, go look at the goals for among all the 32 teams in the NHL. Like talk about this is not your father's Washington Capitals anymore. They have no goals this year. They're like the third lowest scoring team in the NHL. It's crazy. 115 goals compared to, well, let's just compare them to the Canucks who have 186. I think they're the third lowest scoring team in the NHL. Like, is there a chance Ovi doesn't get to this record? I mean, there is a chance yes. that he doesn't get to the record. But would he keep playing? Like, would he keep playing till he's like forty-one if he I, has to? I think they need to. Would a team give him that opportunity? Well, okay. Here's what they've got right now. Um, all of his running mates from years past are actually gone. I, that one of the things that we didn't mention when we were doing the rundown from last night is that is Jenny Kuznetsov is now away from the sh- team for a while uh, as he entered the NHLPA's. Um, player assistance program. So he's gone. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom is gone. I don't know how much longer Tom Wilson, whose name has been bandied about in trade rumors for a while now, will be with the team. I don't... It's tough to completely turn a roster over yet have Ovi there because he's such a big fundamental presence and he takes up a lot of oxygen. Mm -hmm. But they've made it abundantly clear that the next two years are about Ovi, which... Say what you will, whether you agree with it or not, and some don't and some do. You just have to acknowledge that that's what they're doing. If he continues the pace that he's on this season, he will go into next season needing 56 to tie the record. Like, I I mean, Ted Leonsis owns a team and he can do whatever he wants with it. And I understand that that is one of the I most... Th- I think it's unfair to say that that's all they're doing. I what else are they doing? Well, I'm sure they're going to try and remake this team. They're I know, not just but gonna, they're just not look just at some of the get... moves. Like we're going to bring in Max Pacioretty. Gonna, yeah, like, but there's no long term commitment to that. We're bringing no, I know, but it's almost it feels like to me 
year over year. I don't see why they can't rebuild while also trying to I think get over the record. I think that's the ideal scenario. Yeah. I just wonder how difficult it is. When you're opposed- rebuilding, it doesn't even matter how you play. You'd be like, Ovi, you just you just stay up there. Well, that's the thing. Right? right? Like, get your 15 or 20 goals. Like, if it takes a couple of years, <laughs> whatever. Who are some of these players on that roster? Though? It's like, bad, right? Alexi Protas. Yes, he's uh, a guy. Hendricks Lapri- Lapierre. Like, he's, a, he's a good young talent, Hendricks Lapierre. Is he? Yeah. I've yeah. never heard that name before. He was a first-round pick. It's just a bunch of... Wasn't like, he Ethan a first-round pick a while ago? Uh, I don't know if he's a good young young talent now. I, I, will, I will check if okay. you can all give me a moment here. Um, the race in that conference, though, the playoff race is going to be really fun to watch. And you've got some teams with that went into this season with expectations that are currently outside that playoff picture. Even the Leafs, they had a they had a tough loss last night to the New York Islanders. They fought back to tie the game uh at 2 fairly late in the game and then they lost it anyway when Pierre Engvall of all players scored uh, the mm-hmm. game winner for the New York Islanders. Horvat dropped the gloves in that game, too. I saw Did that. Did you see that? He was sticking up for Barzell because, um, who was it that took a run at? Benoit. Benoit took a run at uh, Barzell. Nearly, like, ended Barzell. He was an eagle, not a duck. Okay, yeah, he was an eagle. Audio? Can we play that audio now <laughs> from Patrick Roy? How old is Hendricks it was in the Lapierre? Uh, Hendricks Lapierre was drafted in 2020. He's still pretty young. That was oh, okay. So yeah. he's still so he, pretty young. Yeah, he's, yeah, probably, yeah, he's the yeah, same okay. age as uh, we were talking about Alexis Lafreniere okay. a minute ago. Okay, uh, so this is yesterday. Crazy game with the Leafs. They rallied to tie it late. You think it's going overtime? No, they lose with two minutes left, as you mentioned, on a Pierre Engvall goal. Former Leaf. Yeah, just getting his revenge on his former team. And Lou Lamorello, like, doing the evil, like, Dr. Evil stroking his cat and laughing because he beat his old team. Anyway. But the Isles really needed that win. Desperately. And uh, Patrick Waugh. Full of praise for Bo Horvat for sticking up for Matthew Barzell. Had a very interesting way of explaining how proud he was of the former Vancouver Canuck. Here's what it sounded like in the postgame. This is who he is. He's a leader on this team. I mean, leader, you know, always take care of their teammates. I mean, in life you have a chance. You could be an eagle or duck. He was an eagle there. Didn't the Anaheim Ducks were like, hey, what? Yeah, like, catching strays over here? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> we're, we're rebuilding. Yeah, do you think he meant sheep and wolf, like, as opposed to eagle and duck? I think he means eagle and duck. I mean, ducks Eagle's can be a predator. Have you ever been chased by a duck? They go really no, fast. No, I'm not a toddler. Yeah. Oh, well, you're missing out. <laughs> Bees and ducks, eh, dog? Yeah. <laughs> hey, those, those Stanley Park ducks are vicious, man. Um, yeah, they okay, so they desperately needed that win last night because the aisles are... I mean, they're all in to make the playoffs. You don't hire Patrick Watt in the second half of the season to guide you through the rebuilding process. Like they got their don't fo- sign Horvat to that contract. They got, they got their they got their foot on the pedal, team. right, to try and get in. So they uh, fired their coach, and as you mentioned, right, like they they're they're trying they're trying to get in, and if they miss, I think you're going to see a lot of heat on Lou Lamorello, oh, like yeah. from the fan base. There's already a lot of heat on Lou Lamorello. He's committed some, I don't want to use the word crazy, but I'll use it. Like, it's a, it's amazing contract commitments that they've made in New York. And I get why they do it. They make these long-term commitments to not star players, mm-hmm. let's call them, to keep the cap rate down. And hopefully you can get more of those because, you know, Lou Lamorello appreciates a really deep team. He wants a team that can play all four lines. So he commits to these guys. But 
if it's not working right now, yeah. his his wiggle room is pretty tough to get out of some of those contracts. So you got the Islanders and then you got the Pittsburgh Penguins who I still feel like are going to make a push. Well, okay, here's the thing. In the- they just got to, they got it. The Penguins, it's crazy with all that talent on that team that the one thing that's really killing them is their power play. Yeah, like They've got, they got all these Hall of Famers and for offensive reasons in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And they just... Like did Carlson screw it up? Did, I I don't I don't know. I'm I'm I'm. This is like possibly a baseless accusation, but how <laughs> how, do do here? how do they bring in a guy like Eric Carlson, who's one of the greatest offensive defensemen in NHL history? They've got Sid out there. They've got Gino. They could also use Latang if Carlson's not working. Uh, they've got Jake Gensel. And their power play stinks. How how is this possible? Well, I th- the the solution, as far as I've read through like Josh and Rob Rossi and all the guys that covered the team thoroughly, is that they're just saying this this just will work. That it's just a matter of time. That you know it was bringing in a new piece in Carlson, so it's going to take some time to figure it out. And the the instant click that they thought was going to happen clearly didn't. Guess how many teams have a worse power play than Pittsburgh? Four, one. Oh wow, that it's team that is Chicago. Yeah, they're bad. Pittsburgh's at 13.1% on the power play. This is like the Canucks penalty killing of the last few years where you're like, if the Canucks had just like decent penalty killing, I think things would have been quite different for the team. I don't know if they would have made the playoffs, but I know they would have been a heck of a lot closer. Like if you have, you know, if you're going multiple games in a row without a power play goal, you can be really good at five on five and really good on the PK, and you're still going to have trouble winning games. Like you, we saw, we saw. Look at look at the Canucks against Columbus. They're down four one. They get all those power plays in the third period, and all of them click. And they're like, we somehow won this game. Yeah, right. You know the Penguins aren't getting any of those wins really, and whether it's a matter of time or not. I do think that the Penguins are going to make a run. You've also got New Jersey in there in a very similar spot to Pittsburgh, currently on the outside looking in. Um, Their excuse is that they've been so badly injured. Are they going to get healthy enough for them to make a late run? And if teams like Pittsburgh and New Jersey, and we'll even throw the Islanders into that mix, do go a run, and maybe one or two of them does inch into the playoffs, who drops out? Well, okay, that's what I want to Please be to. Toronto. Well, it's not going to be. I don't think, <laughs> I don't think it'll be Toronto. Well, I don't think it's going to be a wild card team. The real. Maybe uh, Philly? Well, the race isn't for the wild card. It's for the third spot in the Metro. Yeah. That's the thing, is that Philly's held that for the better part of the season. And you look at it now, Philly went into the all-star break on a five-game losing streak. Mm-hmm. So if you're the Pittsburgh. Everyone was waiting for the, 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 the feel-good story in Philly. Exactly. Too. Like, you might not be trash Toronto or Detroit. For one of the two wild cards, if you're and remember the teams you all mentioned are all metropolitan teams, yeah, the Isles, the Penguins, and the Devils. If you're the Penguins right now, you have four games in hand on Philadelphia, and you're five points back. So you're okay with where you're at in terms of trying to catch them for a, a playoff spot. And then you look at it and you're like, you're in against either Carolina or New York. Okay, 
<laughs> like you'll you'll take it in a first round matchup. You're essentially avoiding those teams in the Atlantic. So I think that's the really interesting one to me because that's probably why Lamorello looked at this and said, "Well, we're all in. We've got an all-world goalie in Sorokin, and we've tied up all this money anyway. Let's go get Patrick Wada, rally the troops, and see if we can catch the Flyers. I think the Penguins are probably saying, do we really want to part ways with Gensel, or do we want to keep the band together to try and make a push to catch the Flyers? And then the Devils are saying, once we get healthy, and maybe we get some goaltending, we think we can catch the Flyers. So that's the, that's the, that's the East in a nutshell for me. I think the Leafs are going to make the playoffs, but they might be a wild-card team, Yep, which means... We could have Leafs Bruins in the first round. It'd be amazing, which would be awesome. Or we could have Leafs Rangers, um, which uh, I still don't know about the Rangers. And maybe this is just the fact that the Canucks went into Madison Square Garden and handled the Rangers. Now I know the Rangers won in Vancouver, but that was because the refs screwed it up. Yeah, Rangers had a good win last night too. You know, wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it be almost appropriate if this was the year that the Leafs made their run? And I know I bring this up all the time, and people are probably tired of hearing about it, but when the Washington Capitals won their Stanley Cup, their window was supposed to have closed. Mm -hmm. The two years previous was their window, and then they had to say goodbye to some players, and then the next year, you know, because we mentioned Kuznetsov earlier, um, he really upped his game in the playoffs and in my opinion should have won the Constantine Trophy it went to Ovi but they got this big performance from Kuznetsov and they finally get over the hump the year after their window closes and I think a lot of people look at this Leafs team right now and they're like yeah they're 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 okay but they're certainly nowhere close to as good as they have been in the past and people are even wondering you know how hard is Bradshaw Living going to work to improve this how many assets is he going to spend? Is he really going to go out there and spend a first on a guy like Chris Tanev yeah. just to come in and be a wild card team? I think that team is going to be really interesting to watch going forward, and not just because they're they're the Leafs. I I I, I really do think that Tre Living's in a situation where he's got his two key players locked up now in Austin Matthews and Nylander. He's got some decisions to make about Marner. Um, Tavares, I don't think they're going to resign, but both those guys have a year left on their contract. So he's in this situation where he's like, do we have to take a little bit of a step back, reload a little bit, and then build around Nylander and Matthews, or do we just keep trying to win in the playoffs because you never know what happens if you can get in? Uh, speaking of the Eastern Conference, one of the best teams in the East, the Carolina Hurricanes, will host your Vancouver Canucks tonight at 4 o'clock. You can hear it all right here, pregame, postgame, and the actual game. Speaking of the actual game, Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, on Sportsnet 650, is going to join us next. It's the final hour of the Halford & Bruff Show coming up. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Halford & Bruff on Sportsnet 650.